Hello, my citizen legislators. Welcome back to Topless Government, the show that's a cross between schoolhouse rock and civics for the masses. I want to make this show relatable and fun for everyone on why you should know how your government works. Remember, knowledge is power. So we're going to get this party started. I'm the host, Crystal Ellerby. And y'all know what? Y'all know this already. I live, I breathe, I eat, I sleep politics. And today um, I'm going to talk about something that's a little bit somber, but it got me to thinking because a really good friend of mine, hat tip to Marsha Burton, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, she is a presidential, you know, historian, buff, amateur buff. And we got to talking um, when everybody found out that former president Jimmy Carter decided um, to just do hospice at home. Now, before any of y'all say anything, oh, you know, he's 98 years old, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he is. But you know what? It just got me to thinking about what how, what is the protocol for presidential funerals and burials. What is it? Um, I've lived, you know, I'm a native Washingtonian. I was born in Washington, D.C. I lived out in Prince George's County and Charles County, but I'm a native Washingtonian. And growing up, I got to tell you, when former presidents died, we got the day off. I mean, I remember Linda B. Johnson. I remember um, Richard Nixon. Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan. And this is when I was an adult. But I got to tell you, I mean, it's very interesting to me to just see this. I mean, even um, the late Senator Edward Kennedy, you know, and even recently, like George H.W. Bush, uh, the late um, Representative Don Young from Alaska, you know, they all lied in state in the U.S. Capitol. But I just really wanted to just talk about this because, you know, Jimmy Carter announced that he was entering, you know, hospice care at home with his family. And I totally respect it. I, I, I do. I totally respect it. Um, I was 11 years old when Jimmy Carter was elected president of the United, was elected president of the United States. And, and during his presidency, you know, the country was going through an energy crisis, inflation, as well as Americans being held hostage in Iran. I mean, he went through a lot. I mean, and at the time, a lot of people thought his presidency was a failure. But you know what? In actuality, you know, hindsight is 2020, like everybody say, he 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 had it tough. But, you know, he handled the domestic and foreign crisis, you know, the best to his ability, you know? Um, he wasn't a professional politician. I mean, he was governor of Georgia, but you know, he, and he still is, he's a godly man. He's a religious man. And, you know, like I said earlier, you know, a dear friend and former colleague of mine, Marsha Burton, you know, she reached out to me after the announcement. And again, it just got me to thinking, what starts the process of state funerals for a former president? 
All right, I just want to discuss presidential funerals and, and burials. I know it's somber, and today is the Lord's Day, but let's do this because I want to educate y'all. And I got to honestly tell you, I learned a lot. I, I really, really did. I, I learned a lot. Um, I don't want to make this episode sound morbid. But again, like, you know, throughout my life, I've watched and I've paid tribute to former presidents that have died. And, and you know, like I said earlier, living in the DMV, we got the day off. And so now let's talk about the process. So get this. You know, um, there are just so many things that goes into play when it comes to presidential funerals and, and burials. And in my show notes, um, I do have some links to several different articles and um, actually there, and, and you know, there are some other things um, in here from the White House Historical um, Association and you know, some other things about mo uh, modern morning observations at the White House and, and some articles and some background on the life and career of, of, of James Carter. But again, I'm like, I just want to go into specifically, where do we start? Like, seriously. So there is a CRS report that's dated December 20th, 2019. And it's just a fact sheet on, you know, what do you do? It's, you know, you know, it's a brief overview, it provides a brief overview of past practices. And it just talks about when a president dies, you know, there's a number of activities and events that are set into motion. And the vast majority of these activities and events are governed by custom rather than statute and may be influenced by the wishes of the deceased president's family. So let's go into official actions and responsibility. Now, typically the incumbent president issues a presidential proclamation that serves as an official announcement of the death of a former president. Now, in recent decades, the proclamation, um, these proclamations have, in accordance with federal law, directed that the U.S. flag should be flown at half staff for 30 days. The proclamations have also given specific guidance regarding where the flag um, should be flown at half staff. In the proclamation announcing the death of Ronald Reagan, President George W. Bush issued the following directive. The federal flag shall be flown at the White House and, all, and on all buildings, grounds, and naval vessels of the United States for a period of 30 days from the day of his death. I also direct that for the same length of time, the representatives of the United States in foreign countries shall make similar arrangements for the display of the flag at half staff over embassies, over their embassies, um, legations and other facilities abroad, including all military uh, facilities and stations. 
Now I can tell you, I was here for President Ronald Reagan's funeral. And I was working on Capitol Hill. And at the time I was working for the, the congressman that represented the second congressional district of Louisiana, um, Congressman David Vitter, he's a Republican. And I will never forget this. You know, the airspace of the U.S. Capitol, you're not supposed to fly over it. So everybody was standing outside to, you know, they were queuing outside to get in line so they could see, you know, the casket um, in the U.S. Capitol. He, the Reagan lied in state. So everybody was outside. I mean, we had already saw his cortege um, when they brought his body up and we actually watched that. That was like the day before. Anyway, so we're all, you know, our office was in Cannon House office building. And lo and behold, guess what? We had the alert that we had to leave the building because there was an aircraft that flew over the airspace of the U.S. Capitol. And all hell broke lo loose. Capitol Hill police were telling us that, you know, we just had to keep running, keep running, keep running. And I was with two interns. And I just got to the point, it's like, I'm not running no more. I was like, let's just go to Tortilla Coast and grab a margarita. And then we'll just make our way back to the office. But like literally everybody that was standing in line, I mean, it, it, it was just, it was just, it was complete and utter chaos. But I have to tell you as a staffer, we stood in line, but we stood in line inside the Capitol. And I actually got to see Reagan's, you know, body line state. And it was, you know, it was it, it was an honor to be able to do that, as, and specifically um, as being, you know, congressional staffer at the time. But I gotta tell you, it was it was very eerie because we had to walk up the stairs to the rotunda where he was lying in state. And I got to tell you, the air changed when we moved upstairs. So let's talk about what happens that triggers all that. Well, according to the CRS report, there, okay, other responsibilities are delegated to the commanding general, military district of Washington, U.S. Army. They are the ones that are responsible for state funeral arrangements. As described in detail in the Army pamphlet entitled State, Official, and Special Military Funerals. This document also lists those entitled to a state funeral, including the current president, ex-president, president-elect, and any other person specifically designated by the current president. Now. Let's let me read an excerpt from this pamphlet on the key responsibilities and the delegation that follows. So here are the responsibilities. The president notifies Congress that he has directed that a state funeral be conducted. The Congress who has sole authority for the use of the U.S. Capitol makes the rotunda available for the state ceremony through its own procedures. The Secretary of Defense is the designated representative 
of the President of the United States. The Secretary of the Army is the designated representative of the Secretary of the Defense for the purpose of making all arrangements for state funerals in Washington, D.C. This includes participation of all armed forces and coordination with the State Department for participation of all branches of government and the diplomatic corps. The commanding general, military district of Washington, U.S. Army, um, as the designated representative of the Secretary of the Army, will make all ceremony arrangements for the state funerals in Washington, D.C., and will be responsible for the planning and arranging of state funerals throughout the continental United States. Now, there are many var um, variations and combinations of ceremonies and traditional events and activities honoring the former president um, that are possible. And I'm just gonna recite a few of those possibilities and it includes the following. So there's three possibilities and three combinations. A former president's remains may lie in repose for one day and then be removed to the Capitol Rotunda to lie in state during which a funeral ceremony and a public viewing may occur. A former president as former commander in chief is entitled to burial and ceremony in the Arlington National Cemetery. If, however, the former president is to be buried outside of Washington, D.C., honors may be rendered at a train station terminal or airport that serves as point of departure for the remains. Other honors that may be rendered during ceremonies include musical honors, gun and cannon salutes, and a U.S. Air Force coordinated flyover. Now, let's talk about the most recent funeral of a former president. Now, most recently, uh, back in 2018, President George H.W. Bush, he died on November 30th, 2018. And former President Donald Trump announced the death and issued a proclamation that U.S. flags on all federal facilities be flown at half staff for 30 days. The proclamation also appointed December 5th, 2018 as a national day of mourning throughout the United States. On December 1st, 2018, former President Trump also issued Executive Order 13852, which directed the closing of federal offices and agencies on the National Day of Mourning. Former President Bush then lay in state at, in the Capitol Rotunda from December 3rd to December 5th with subsequent services on December 5th at Washington Nat National Cathedral. Services for former president were also conducted on December 6th in Houston, Texas, with interment following at the George H.W. Bush Presidential Library and Museum. So as you can see, this is how it's done. Now, I want to relay some stories about presidential funerals and burials, and even um, those that were not presidents, because I want to talk about um, 
former um, Associate Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Now, when she died, it was during COVID. It was at the height of the pandemic. And I live on Capitol Hill and I wanted to pay my respects to her because she did a lot um, for women in this country. And I, I just wanted to honor her memory. And so I stood in line and I had my mask on, um, my not today COVID mask on. And she lay in state on front of the portico of the US Supreme Court, which is across the street from the US Capitol. I mean, I, I gotta tell you, I'm not gonna lie. I cried like a baby. I did, I cried like a baby because I knew that that was the beginning of the end for us when it came to reproductive rights. But y'all know my feelings about abortion uh, in my first episode of my first season that I talked about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, there was, a, you know, and then during the height of the pandemic, um, Congressman John Lewis, I really wanted to go see him lie in state and it was um, in the portico of the U.S. Capitol building. Um, but I, I, I just didn't have the strength to do it. Um, I remember seeing him on Capitol Hill. Uh, I would just go weak at the knees because he had such a presence and I just would nod. You know, I would just say, hi, Congressman Lewis, and I would nod and he would say hello and I would just keep on walking out of respect. But, you know, these are the types of, you know, things that we do for politicians and for those that, you know, the Supreme Court, that were members of the Supreme Court. And I got to tell you, it's just, it always amazes me living in DC all my life. I still have to pinch myself when it comes to funerals and burials of presidents, of former presidents, of other politicians, um, statesmen, stateswomen, you know, it just, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, you're like, wow, this is happening. And I live in the city where I get to go see someone um, that I grew up watching lie and stay in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. And it just, I don't know. It's just, it's surreal. It's always been surreal for me. But I wanted to take the opportunity to just, you know, walk you through what the procedure is. And, you know, at that point when former president James Jimmy Earl Carter goes home, that's when President Biden will put the declaration out and there will be um, a national day of mourning and, you know, federal government will close. And I heard that um, President um, Jimmy Carter has asked President Biden to do his eulogy, to give his eulogy. And I, I think that's that's very, very special. I mean, you know, y'all remember when John McCain died and, you know, they had his funeral uh, at the Washington National Cathedral. He, lied, he lay in state uh, in the rotunda. Same thing with um, Senator Bob Dole. You know, he was a World War II 
that he was in the Senate for quite a long time. Uh, he was Senate majority leader. He was minority leader. He was majority, minority, majority whip, minority whip at some point. But again, I'm like, I was able to see him lie in state as well. But I, again, I will never forget when I saw Ronald Reagan lie in state because that just was, that was just totally and utterly, you know, unbelievable. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. Like I said, it was a privilege because at the time I was a public servant, you know, I was working for uh, a member of the House of Representatives. Um, I, I just said, you know, it just, it's something that we all witness. I mean, look, like Marvin Gaye's song, you know, Trouble Man, there are three things for sure, taxes, death, and trouble. And that's that's God's truth. Taxes, death, and trouble. We all got to experience those three things. At some point in our lives, we do. And I just thought that educating you about the protocols and the process of presidential funerals and and how it starts. I mean, I could go back to when I read um, A Team of Rivals by uh, Ron Chernoff about Abraham Lincoln. I mean, you know, remember when he was assassinated and I think it was April 5th, 1865. I mean, just remember what they did. I mean, and how, um, you know, it was all planned and put together and the train ride back, you know, to Illinois. Uh, I mean, you know, John F. Kennedy and what, um, you know, his widow, Jacqueline Kennedy, what she did. I mean, she put together she planned that his, his funeral and, and the burial um, in Arlington Cemetery. I mean, she was the one that put together, you know, how he was going to be interred. I mean, I, I you know, I could go on and on, but this is, is it, this is a bit of a, uh, you know, morbid, somber subject. But again, like I said earlier, my friend, Marsha Burton, she and I got to talking and that is what led me to make the decision to do an episode on presidential funerals and burials. And I hope that you found it educational. I do have a lot of articles in the show notes on Jimmy Carter and his bio and, you know, the White House Historical Association, you know, I have a link to you know, a presidential funeral and the modern morning observations at the White House. And then also there's the official homepage for U.S. state funerals. It's, you know, Army Dart um, Mill. I mean, you know what? I mean, it's just, again, I just wanted to just show you what this is and it's, you know, it's, I'm just a loss for words, but I would tell you, um, I would check out the Washington, um, the White House Historical uh, Association because they do have a really good website on presidential and state funerals. I mean, they start with William Henry Harrison, who, who died while in office. I mean, 
I mean, he wasn't in office that long. He was actually the first president to die while in office. And his funeral had no precedent. So just think about, you know, how they had to scramble and put that all together. I mean, you know, and let's talk about another funeral, Zachary Taylor. He died July 13th, 1850, four days after President um, Tyler's unexpected passing on July 9th. 1850. So I'm sorry. So he, he died on July 9th and his funeral was July 13th and it was unexpected. I mean, come on. I mean, okay. Abraham Lincoln. So yeah, April 19th through May 4th, 1865, four days after president Lincoln's death on April 15th, 1855. I apologize. I uh, misspoke. Uh, when I mentioned Abraham Lincoln. So his funeral took place in the East Room of the White House. 600 mourners attended the service, including President Andrew Johnson and General Ulysses S. Grant. First Lady Mary um, Lincoln was too grief-stricken uh, to appear. Uh, the White House and the U.S. Capitol were dressed in black. There were gun salutes, church bells tolled, and the country observed a day of mourning. Tens of thousands of spectators gathered to watch the mile-long procession to the Capitol that followed, uh, which included the president's hearse, military escorts, members of the administration, and some of Lincoln's um, family. Now, Lincoln's body lay in state at the U.S. Capitol Rotunda, the first president to receive this honor until April 21st, when his remains along with those of his deceased son, Willie, departed the city aboard a funeral train outfitted in black. A hastily um, constructed wooden bear was made to hold Lincoln's casket, earning the nickname, the Lincoln, I can't even, Calfish, Calfew. Massive crowds uh, lined the route, earning, you know, I, I, look, the train stopped in Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, Buffalo, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Chicago, and, and several others before finally reaching Springfield, Illinois on May 3rd. His remains were placed on view in the old state capitol. Uh, the next day, the president's remains were buried at Oak Ridge Cemetery. Now, James A. Garfield, September 21st through the 26th, 1881. President Garfield, he passed away in El Elberon, New Jersey on September 19th, 1881. I mean, yeah. It, uh, you know, this time around, the funeral wasn't in the East Room. The funeral service took place on the afternoon of September 23rd. First Lady Lucretia Garfield did not attend. Instead, the rotunda was empty earlier in the day to give her privacy to say goodbye. Now, William McKinley, September 17th through the 19th, 1901. President McKinley succumbed to his gunshot wounds on September 14th, 1901. <coughs> excuse me, while in Buffalo, New York. 
His body returned to the nation's capital by train two days later, where it was escorted to the White House by cavalry squadron. McKinley's flag-draped casket lie in the East Room overnight, surrounded by floral declarations and tributes. In 1893, U.S. Code dictated that, quote, no building owned or used for public purposes by the government of the United States shall be draped in mourning, end quote. As a result, the White House was not draped in black mourning decor, as was common in the past. On September 17th, McKinley's cortege proceeded to the U.S. Capitol where the funeral service took place. His remains lie in state for the rest of the day before being escorted to a waiting train which departed that evening. William G. Harding, August 7th through the 10th, 1923. On August 2nd, 1923, while on tour of the Western United States, President Harding died unexpectedly in San Francisco. In his room at the Palace Hotel, a brief secret a brief service was held, attended by First Lady Florence Harding and other members of his travel party. Harding's casket was conveyed by, back to the Capitol by train, guarded by Secret Service members of the armed forces. Oh, okay. Franklin D. Roosevelt, April 14th to the 15th, 1945. Now, everybody knows this. President Roosevelt passed away at Warm Springs, Georgia on April 12th, 1945. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt flew by plane to Warm Springs that night after visiting with President Harry Truman. First Lady Bess Truman and their daughter, Margaret. The next day, FDR's flagged draped casket began the journey back to Washington, D.C. aboard a train. Upon arrival in Washington, D.C., President Harry S. Truman and members of the cabinet met the train. A military caisson transported Roosevelt's remains to the White House, accompanied by members of the U.S. military, the Marine Band, and Roosevelt's family. Roosevelt's casket was placed in the East Room, which was decorated with flowers for the funeral service. Friends, family, and staff paid their, res their respects with crowds gathered in Lafayette Park, hoping to catch a glimpse. Because of the ongoing war, President Roosevelt did not lie in state at the U.S. Capitol, unlike his um, predecessors. Instead, the ceremony surrounding his passing was much smaller. Prior to his passing, Roosevelt had communicated um, some of his last wishes, one of which was to be buried in the Rose Garden at Hyde Park, the Roosevelt family home. As a result, a funeral train conveyed Roosevelt's body to Hyde Park after his White House viewing. On April 15th, President Roosevelt was buried in a ceremony that included a 21-gun salute and a P-47 flyover. Okay, John F. Kennedy, November 23rd through 25th, 1963. Infamous day, November 22nd, 1963. President Kennedy was assassinated while campaigning in Dallas, Texas. His body was conveyed back to Andrews Air Force Base aboard Air Force One. First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy asked White House Chief Usher J.B. West to research precedents and model her husband's state funeral after the ceremonies used for President Abraham Lincoln. 
On November 23rd, Kennedy's flag-draped casket was placed in the East Room of the White House by military honor guard. President Lyndon B. Johnson declared it a national day of mourning. The house was outfitted with mourning crate for the occasion and mourners stood, um, stood vigil in the rain outside the White House gates. Now, President Kennedy's casket was taken to the Capitol Rotunda and over 250,000 people passed through to pay their res respects. His casket was placed atop the Lincoln Catholic, which had been used um, most of the lying in state services in the rotunda. The next morning, a funeral a procession moved from the U.S. Capitol down Pennsylvania Avenue, passed by the White House, and then on to St. Matthew's Cathedral for a pontifical requiem mass. And then later that day, the president's casket was conveyed to Arlington Cemetery for the burial. At the service, there was an Air Force and a Navy flyover, including Air Force One and Mrs. Kennedy, Edward Kennedy and Jay, I'm sorry, Robert F. Kennedy lit the eternal flame at the president's gravesite. There are many others, um, you know, former presidents, Herbert Hoover, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Harry S. Truman, Linda B. Johnson, who died um, January 22nd, 1973. Richard M. Nixon, he died April 22nd, 1994. His funeral was April 27th, 1994. Ronald Reagan, he died June 5th, 2004. His funeral was um, June 11th. And I remember this because I stood in line. And then um, Gerald Ford, he died December 26, 2006, but his funeral wasn't until January 2nd, 2007. And then George H.W. Bush, uh, he died November 30th, 2018. His funeral um, ceremonies and burial December 5th through December 6th of 2018. So that's about it. I mean, this is all the information from the White House Historical Association's website on presidential and state funerals. I hope um, that this was educational and informative for you. And I thank you so much for watching, tuning in. This is Crystal Ellerby, the host of Topless Government. Thank you and have a good day.